Welcome in to another great edition of That Sports Show. Yep, That Sports Show. Not just this sports show, not is it is it this other sports show or the sports show. It is That Sports Show. I'm Jeremy, the Impact York. Welcome in. Having fun times here, man. Just fun times. So much going on. Obviously, we're going to... Uh, Talk some Georgia State. We'll get a little more into the Falcons as well. We'll go through my picks for the last two weeks. I promised you guys I would combine the two shows. So we will go over my picks. Um, I'm going to give you probably my top four candidates for the US, USC job. Some of them you probably, uh, you've probably heard of all of them, but you haven't heard people talk about a couple of them as far as they, they actually, they, these are ones, I kind of did some digging. I like I like one of them more than the others, but I, different names. I promise you guys some different names. Uh, you'll know you'll know a couple of them. But either way, uh, like I said, then we'll get into the picks. I will live pick the NFL and uh, college picks later on. I've I have not picked any of them. I picked I've I've chosen the five games. I've not chosen who I who I believe will win. So we'll do that live together. Now. As I said, we're going to get into Georgia State. We're going to get into the Falcons, uh, USC, all that kind of stuff. But first, let's talk about, well, I guess first we could say, if you want to follow the show at The Impact 99, will get me on pretty much any social media platform, including our exclusive, exclusive videos and such on TikTok and Triller. Uh at Team Impact Media, if you want to follow the show on Twitter. And also, you can find any of our shows on Facebook by simply just typing in uh, Impact Media, That Sports Show, Board Check, Strong Style, any of that. Type in my name, you'll find us. Uh, if you want to go to iTunes... And give us a rating and review. We would much appreciate that. If you want to quit, send us questions, comments, suggestions, um, soup recipes, whatever you want to send us. We're totally cool with that. Um, even if you want to tell us we absolutely suck. That's fine, too. Feedback is feedback, and it's much appreciated. Now, let's get into some NFL stuff. And I want to start. There are some... Um, there are some issues and things going on. Obviously, it's the NFL. But I want to start. Gosh, so many good places to start. I want to start with the, uh, the, the Tua situation in Miami. Now, a lot of people know. Tua Tagovailoa. The... College standout at University of Alabama. He was chosen, what, fourth overall in last year's draft by the Miami Dolphins. They could have had Justin Herbert. But Tua was more of a fit for him. They liked Tua. I'm not saying Tua was bad. So they, they roll with Tua. They get Ryan Fitzpatrick who uh, starts a bunch of games. They're actually starting to get on a roll. And then they tell Ryan, hey, we're starting two of this week. Ryan actually laughs. He thinks it's a joke. Turns out it's not. 
Ryan leaves. He's now in Washington where he is uh, on the IR for a few weeks. That kind of stuff happens. Uh, but, you know, it's another day, another dollar, another story there. Uh, so Tua is the starter going forward. They, uh, they've they been okay. You can see he's still trying to get his sea legs under him a little bit. He's a good athlete. He got just kind of rolled up and smashed on a play the other day. Uh, he has a smaller quarterback. I mean, you got to think like Michael Vick. He's left-handed. He's mobile. He's, uh, he's very smart. Unlike Michael Vick, it looks like he actually studies film and the defenses that he will face. That's, once again, another day, another dollar, another story there. But Tua gets, uh, he takes a pretty good shot, and it dings up his ribs. Now, I can't lie. I'm, uh, there's going to be another story I'm going to mention here in a minute uh, involving another guy and a rib injury, and that would be Tyrod Taylor. We'll get into that. You know, he gets dinged up. Um, he's not going to play this week, I do not think. But here's what it brings up. Now, I know some Dolphins fans. I, I know fans of almost every team. Uh, pretty much every I, I, Yeah, I know fans of every team. So... Uh, they're going to start. I don't remember who they're starting. It doesn't matter. But so two is going to be out for a couple weeks. And so a lot of these Dolphin fans, when they uh, before they got Tua, they were like, "Man, yeah, I'd like to get Tua. I think Tua's a good guy. I think Tua's a guy we should go get. Tua, Tua, Tua. Okay. Then they got Tua. And, uh, a lot of Dolphin fans are like, uh all right, we got Tua. Now we'll see what he can do. And then they started to see what he could do so far. It's been a little limited. I don't think he's showing us everything he can do. But uh, they, they start to kind of go, um, he needs some more seasoning. He needs some more practice snaps, things like that. Yeah, that's true. He does, he does uh, need to work on some stuff, and that's what he's been doing. Um, and then he does start, you know, they're working on it. He's, he's still, I mean, guys, your first day at your job, when you first started, whatever position you're in now, I don't care if you are entry level or if you're the CEO or if you're the I don't, president of the country, because we all know he listened to the show, right? Probably his favorite show. Probably thought it was a different show and tuned in anyway. Either way. When you first started, did were you as good as you are now? Now, in, unless you recently just started, if you started within the last month and, and your skill level is still where it was when it started, okay, that's fine. Um, if your skill level is, is uh, at or worse than when you started, um, maybe you should find a different line of work. But let's just let's think of it this way. Let's stay positive. When you started, are you as good? were you as good as you are now? No, you were not. Why? Because you had to understand the rules. You had to understand the parameters. You had to understand uh, ways to study, ways to get better. You had to understand what to study, what to get better at, no matter what your job is. You could even, you could, uh, you could be, uh, you could pump gas. You could dig holes. You could, it, it doesn't matter. You still have to learn the right ways to do things to make them easier and to be more efficient. That is where, that is where Tua is at right now. The problem with this is, is now he's he's injured, and it's a rib injury. So you can wear one of those flag jackets like a lot of them wear, but that adds pounds. That adds uh, like a thickness to your chest to where you have to slightly modify the way you play. He should be able to do this, but this makes for uh, an interesting and, and slightly different a different dynamic to it but it's got Miami fans finally the ones who haven't thought or haven't didn't want to go with this option 
Deshaun Watson's out there. Now, regardless, he's not going to play this year. Doesn't matter. The Texans, he's not playing for. Uh, the Dolphins, he's not playing for anybody in the NFL this year. Roger Goodell is going to make sure of that. Houston's doing a good job of doing that right now. But regardless, until we know the severity of those court hearings in January, there's no there's no way he's gonna there's no way he's gonna play. Because also they're the the types of things they're wanting to trade Houston is wanting to trade him for are things like picks that don't matter a can of beans right now, they matter in the offseason. So you just wait. But that being said, you have to think of the possibility. Miami and Miami fans, think of this. Are, do you think that you are um, a quarterback and a couple players away from really competing for your division? I think so. I think you're um, – now, I'm not saying Tua couldn't be that quarterback, but, you know, good, solid quarterback play and, you know, three or four key pieces. Yeah, I, I think so. You're, you're further along than, than a lot of people in the league. I, I think you could argue that in Miami. Uh, you know, you're in a you're in a pretty good division. You got to deal with the Bills and Patriots. You're ahead of the Jets, but in order to compete with them, will an elevated quarterback play do that? Yeah, it definitely could. So Miami's finally, Miami fans have finally opened up to the fact that maybe in the offseason, that maybe you try to make a move. It's a real possibility. It's a real possibility. And, and the problem is that Tua may be a, uh, end up being a career backup. He may be a spot starter. He may be the new... Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor, that sort of thing. So Miami fans, this is what you're going to have to figure out. You're going to have to let your let your team know. I think you keep rolling with Tua the rest of this year. I think he'll finish out the year once he comes back. It's you'll have to evaluate from there. So, not sure if we solved anything with that. Uh, if it were me, Miami fans, I think you should trade for Deshaun Watson. Um, I don't, I don't know what you do with Tua yet. Yet that's that's for somebody else to figure out. But anyway, let's move on. It's been a little bit more time than I wanted to on that, but uh, it, it's just been on my mind. There are some teams out there that are having some interesting situations. Some good, some bad, some indifferent. And uh, they're just entertaining. I'll put them that. Uh, like down in Houston. Houston is supposed to be uh, just a god-awful they're, – they're supposed to be the worst team in the league. Yet they ran over the Jaguars, which means there's a chance the Jaguars may be that team. But either way, um, it seems like – Houston, when led by Tyrod Taylor, could be a pretty good middle-of-the-pack team. In fact, they're such a good unit together. Like on paper, this team should this team should win. I don't know. On paper, they they should have one of the top three or four draft picks in next year's draft. But when they get on the field, they play fantastic. They played so good the other day that I think had Tyrod Taylor not gotten injured, 
I very much think they could have beat the Browns. They were on their way to doing so until the Browns locked Tyrod Taylor out of the game. Uh, I think Davis Mills came in. He's a rookie. He hasn't done a lot of practice and things like that. So, you know, he, he it wasn't catered to him as well. Tyrod Taylor's a really good player, by the way. But without Tyrod Taylor, this team played different, and I think they lacked that, that leadership because, and it's nothing against Davis Mills. It is what it is. But here's the thing about Tyrod Taylor. He has some of the worst luck. You know, uh, what was it? Not last year, the year before that. He's with the Browns. Or no, three years ago, maybe. He's starting for the Browns. Now, he knows he's the placeholder. But then he gets injured. He's going to be out for a couple weeks. And so they say, well, why he's out, let's, uh, let's see what the kid's got. And they put in a guy at quarterback named Baker Mayfield, who has yet to uh, who has yet to relinquish the job. Pretty good. Baker's pretty good. He's a playmaker. So Tyrod moves along. He goes to the Chargers because moving forward, the Chargers don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. And even if they do, uh, we're going to let him sit for a while so that uh, that uh, the guy can learn. All right. So the Chargers draft Justin Herbert because, as I said before, Miami decided to take two of them. So, Tyrod is, is playing pretty hard. Chargers are doing pretty good. And then he gets a rib injury. And uh, they decide to go for the uh, shots into the cartilage areas and such of the ribs as uh, to, to kind of help with the pain so that he can manage the pain and, and be able to play. Because he's not limited physically. It's just the pain is, uh, is uh, pretty intense. Well, the needle accidentally punctures his lungs, and so with like a, a an hour and a half, two-hour notice, suddenly Justin Herbert's starting, and uh, he hasn't given up the job. So Tyrod goes, well, let me try another team here. And Tyrod's been on a handful of teams. Uh, he goes to Houston, where he's, uh, they already know Deshaun Watson is not going to start. That he's not going to play this year. So they said, Tyrod, this is Tyrod's team. We'll get Davis Mills to back him up. We'll draft a guy. You know, it is what it is as far as that, right? And then what happens? Tyrod gets hurt. They're going to go with a rookie quarterback, Davis Mills. Now, nothing personal. Do I think Davis Mills is going to... Do I think he's going to steal the job from Tyrod? Probably not. But what if he does come in and he's making a pretty good case for you know he'd make he could make a pretty good case for uh, maybe sticking with him the rest of the year. Poor Tyrod. <laughs> every, every time he, he gets the opportunity. that uh, something seems to happen. Now, I hope Tyrod gets to come back and finish out the year. Uh, It'd be really great if Houston is able to kind of put some things together, maybe win five, six, seven games. This is probably about where where I got them. Um, they who they they have somebody else that is going to back up Davis Mills. Trying to find it real quick. Um, gosh, who was it? It was 
There it is. Jeff Driscoll. All right, Jeff Driscoll. That's, that's what I wanted to do. Jeff Driscoll, the uh, standout from the University of Florida, the Gator, former Gator. Or, he's not really a former Gator. He's still a Gator. He just doesn't go to school there anymore. Anyway, so basically what it looks like to me is while Tyrod is, is out, I believe, for three weeks, I believe they put him on the IR, which means uh, a minimum of three weeks. Either way. Davis Mills is going to roll out there. They're going to roll out the rookie, see what he can do. If things start to go awry, you turn it over to a veteran who has made starts before, Jeff Driscoll. And you just hope that when Tyrod comes back, he's able to take his job back. And, uh, you know, you just feel bad for the guy. You just feel bad for the guy. Uh, Some quick ones real quick. Some quick ones real quick. Great sentence structure there. Uh, Green Bay. Now, on uh, Pro Football Talk PM, uh, Florio and Shireen did this thing the other day where they said they named a team, and they said, uh, is the, the the real team, are they the week one team or the week two team? And, and I get that. And and there's, uh, there's one in particular, Green Bay. That's the one I want to talk about. Um, they got completely schlacked, just railroaded. We're talking like Bugs Bunny style, where you like, like before Bugs Bunny style, I guess, where you were like, you know, like the girl would be like tied down to the tracks and like the train's coming and the guy's trying to save her. Well, the guy didn't save her at this point. Um, and somebody even brought up the kind of half joking half point that maybe Green Bay thought week one, instead of being week one of the season, was week four of the preseason. Uh, it it kind of looked that way. They weren't even going through the motions. It was, it was terrible. Uh, and then Aaron Rodgers gets ticked off because the media starts to say that he acts like he doesn't want to be there, and I don't think he's acting. But either way, so then they get up this week, and on Monday Night Football, they completely they railroad Detroit. Which, uh, thanks for that, Aaron. You uh, you made my my three and one record to three and two on my picks. That would have been nice to be four and one on that, but. Um, there's two teams that are that are real intriguing right there because Green Bay is is a perennial favorite to be in the Super Bowl and they still could at one and one. I mean they they're not out and they're not you know it's not terrible uphill battle here. Uh, but I think we're gonna see. Last year, Aaron had a chip on his shoulder and he wanted to prove how bad the Jordan Love pick was, or how out of character it was, and all that kind of stuff, and that and that he was still a top-level MVP quarterback in this league. Very much proved that. This year, he is acting like he has got something better to do. Maybe he does. But if it's taking the media to light the fire under him every week, that's not going to last very long. That's uh, that's like that's like you know, burn it, lighting a candle to to light up a room, and and it's you know it's it's a an almost gone candle already, almost all gone anyway. It's it's just not going to make it there. It's going to be real interesting to see because. Green Bay should easily win their division. They're easily the better team out of Detroit, out of Chicago, and out of... Gosh, who's the other team up there? Doesn't matter. The problem is, with as much talent as they have, if they... If, if it's... if I think the actual Green Bay team is somewhere in between the two we've seen. And if it, like I said, if it takes this much to juice to get them going, it's going to be a rough season. They may still win the division, but they're going to win with like uh, nine or 10 wins. It's, uh, it's not the Green Bay. We all expected it to be 12 or 13. So, you know, Aaron, you, you do what you got to do and uh, you keep, Keep uh, looking as disinterested as you are, and and we'll just uh, we'll chalk it up to somebody else 
somebody else is going to take your spot, take your team spot, and uh, be in a, a Super Bowl caliber team. Now, real quickly, Detroit. Watching, I, I thought Detroit was going to be not very good this year. I, I had them probably a top seven or eight pick in the next draft. Uh, and then in week one, they almost come back and beat the 49ers, who are a pretty good team. So we're, we're seeing uh, Jared Goff is playing pretty good uh, compared with, you know, where his top level has been so far. He, he was there week one and week two. It's just kind of Detroit is playing like we thought Houston would be. They're playing like on paper. These guys are maybe not the best options going. Now they're good players, but it's, it's right now. It's a bunch of misfit bands of toys here where instead if they start to band together and play together and get get better as a unit, they'll be more of a solid team. The talent's there. Jared Goff is playing as about as good as he can. Yes, he's making mistakes. I also think a lot of the reason why Green Bay had such an advantage last week is because Detroit started to panic and started to freak out. when uh, the weather started getting bad and when they started to get behind by a few scores. Here was the problem. Like I said, the weather just crushed them, and then they couldn't get out of their own way, and that led to Green Bay just plowing them. So my question is, is Detroit just Detroit, or are they a little better than we think? I think they're a little better. I think they're a little better. Uh, I think Dan Campbell is one of those guys. He's not just a rah-rah guy, but I think he really does have these guys ready to run through walls for him. And I I want to see what Detroit's going to do. I don't think Detroit could be the one to necessarily challenge Green Bay, but only it's Chicago. So if somebody's going to, maybe it is Detroit. At some point, we're going to see chinks in the armor be really exposed by Green Bay. And that's when somebody's got to take advantage. Uh, real quickly, a, a note on the Dallas Cowboys. They should have beat Tampa Bay in week one. They they showed everybody that they can hang with them easily. And then they had a uh, pretty solid last-minute win here to go one-on-one. They are by far the darling of their division because Philly... Philly is, is uh, very chaotic on the inside. We're on the outside there showing that, uh, oh, things are fine. They're not. Philly's going to have some issues coming up very soon. You're going to see them. Uh, the Giants are very limited in the things they do and the things they can do. And Washington, without Ryan Fitzpatrick, seems to lack. Uh, Taylor, Taylor Heineke is pretty good. He's not the guy you won't start in 14, 15 games in the season. Yeah, it's just not. I don't think it's going to go as, as good as, as it should. So Dallas is, is, you know, like Green Bay, pencil them in for winning their division. Here is what I think is holding them back, dragging them down, however you want to put it, that is limit. what is limiting Dallas from being a spectacular team is their head coach, Mike McCarthy. He's a buffoon. He is, he is, the best term to say, to describe his clock management skills is none. He's the guy that you could buy 45 watches, you could set every alarm in the world, and somehow I feel like he'd always show up late to your shindig, to your event, easily. Plus, what does he do? He doesn't call the defensive plays, uh, Dan Quinn's been doing that. And by the way, the defense has been a little better. Uh, Micah Parsons, man, uh, top notch. Yeah, side note. You want to know how good Parsons is? He hasn't put his hand in the dirt to rush off the defensive line since high school. 
since high school. He has been a stand-up linebacker since, like, most of high school and all of college. And because of all the injuries, you say, you know what, we're going to put him on the defensive line. We're just going to let him uh, kind of go get at it. Uh, well, he had eight quarterback pressures officially. He had a bunch more. He was always in the backfield. And he had a sack at a key time that actually turned the tide of the game and allowed you to win it. That kid's special, man. That kid, that kid is absolutely special. He's a fun-loving kid. Listen to his interviews. Awesome dude. But back to what I was saying. What does McCarthy do? He uh, He's not a rah-rah guy because I've never seen anybody get excited over anything he says. Dan Quinn calls the plays on defense, which is not really McCarthy's thing anyway. He's an offensive guy is what we're told. And yet Kellen Moore is the offense coordinator, and he's, he's calling the plays there. Okay, so you would say, well, he's, he's letting his coordinators coordinate and call the plays, and, and clearly he's there for uh, knowing when to call a timeout and go for it on, you know, make the uh, game-changing decisions, right, during a game. Uh, should we kick here? Should we punt here? Should we go for it? Should we not? Uh, should we try to set this up? Right. Well, we just he's just proved that he doesn't even do that. Because there's, at one point, there's 30-some-odd seconds, 33 or so seconds on the clock. They do a running play, which is fine. It's no problem. They got a timeout. They do a running play, and you think they're going to come up there and clock it. You think they're going to go up there and call a timeout. You think they're going to, no, they let it, they let, like, 25 seconds off the clock. It gets down to, like, three seconds. They call timeout. They have Greg Zerline, Greg the leg, as good as he is. You look at him and go, hey. Go win the game for us. By the way, it's 56-yard field goal. What? It doesn't matter if you have the faith in him to make it or not. You could have made it easier. You could have done two or three plays in that time. I I have no idea what, what Mike McCarthy does. And if I don't know, and a lot of the media doesn't know, I'd be interested to know what uh, Jerry and Stephen Jones think he does. I'd like to know what the players think he does. My point is, is no matter how good this team is, I don't think outside of of him putting this coaching staff together, I don't think he did much else. I still don't think he does much else. And I think what's going to keep Dallas from being one of those just top, top of the tier table teams is their head coach. And I understand if you get rid of the head coach that he's he, if the new coach would bring in a whole new, um, would bring in a whole new crew and things like that. And, and you don't want to promote one of the coordinators because then, you know, they wouldn't be able to coordinate anymore because they'd be doing head coach things. I understand that. But what keep it's just going to keep Dallas from from winning a Super Bowl. They might back themselves into it, or they might. They'll win a playoff game or two when they could do so much more, and it's just it's ridiculous. Uh, last team I kind of want to get into real quick is a uh, shout out to the Las Vegas Raiders. Two amazing performances. They're two and zero in a division when they're in a division with Patrick Mahomes and the Denver Broncos, and they're better than the Broncos. They were going to be the second best team anyway, more than likely. But hey, the way they're playing right now. Derek Carr is by far, this is the best he's ever played. It took a little while for him and Gruden to get used to each other. It happens. But look at what happens when they actually link up, when they actually get on the same page, understand each other. Derek Carr is playing out of his mind. And before you say, well, some of the playmakers around him, yeah, Henry Ruggs is, Henry Ruggs is special. And he's a super burner of a runner and uh, he can make him in just impossible, crazy catches and, and things like that. Sure. Somebody has to throw him the ball. Well, that's Derek Carr. Somebody has to make the decisions at the line, uh, different coverages, different plays. Well, guess what? That's Derek Carr. And before you say, well, he's got Josh Jacobs in the backfield. I, he does, but or he did for one game. Josh sat out this game as good as he is. I've been a big Josh Jacobs fan since he got in the league. But Derek's winning me over. Look at what he's doing. 
He's not trying to be Patrick Mahomes. He's not trying to be Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. He's not trying to be anything but Derek Carr. He goes out. He plays his game. He limits his mistakes. And when the game's on the line, I trust Derek Carr. And so does John Gruden. I'm not sure how the rest of the season is going to shake out, but I'm here to tell you. It may be a wild card spot, but if I'm in the AFC, I don't know that I want to see the Las Vegas Raiders on the other sideline in the playoffs. They're not only just good enough to knock you off, they're better than that. They, they right now, might be a top-five AFC team. Like I said, you know, Chiefs are still really good. you got some other teams that are doing some good stuff. Las Vegas, though, man, incredible. Incredible, and I, and I hope it continues because it, uh, the league and sports in general are better when the Dallas Cowboys and the Las Vegas Raiders are winning and doing good things. And right now, both are. I wouldn't mind seeing those two in a Super Bowl. I wouldn't mind seeing those just on a neutral field on Mars. When the Cowboys and the Raiders are doing good, business is good for everybody. All right, let's talk some Falcons. Obviously, in week number one, the Falcons, um, maybe they were in the Green Bay mode of, of thinking maybe that was week four of the preseason. They, uh, yeah, it looked awful. They they looked lost. They looked disorganized. They looked like maybe they were a lacrosse team who uh, won a internet contest to play in the NFL, to play a football game. It, it just didn't look good. Nothing was adding up. Nothing was doing well. So we go into week two thinking, well, this is either going to be a really awful team or we're going to see some passion. We saw passion. We saw some big-time passion. And I know people are going to say, well, they lost 48-25. to 25. Well, they also lost to Tampa Bay. And at one time, this was only like 28-25. At one time, it was just a, a few points. Now, they showed life. They showed passion. They showed that they actually care and are trying. There's not a good football team right now. It's like some of these other teams I say, like Detroit, like Houston, like uh, Miami a little bit. They're playing disorganized. They're not, they don't have that camaraderie. They don't have that chemistry of knowing that if I put my hand in the dirt, the guy beside to my left has my back, and the guy to my right has my back, and if he zigs, I zag. Those kind of things. They don't have that. They're working on it. You can see things. I think very much this is a rebuilding year for the Falcons. Um, I think it's unfortunately going to mean you're probably going to draft a quarterback coming up, and then we get into that discussion, but... For all you people trying to run Matt Ryan out of town, why? He's the he's not only the the best you got. He he's trying the hardest of anybody. Did, did he force a throw that he shouldn't have? Yes. And that ended up in an interception. Did. Did he uh, – now, here's – their wide receivers. I don't know what it is about Georgia or Atlanta teams because uh, the Georgia Bulldogs wide receivers and defensive backs for years have this thing where uh, instead of trying to catch a ball, they'll tip it up in the air. Usually means the other team gets it. In this case, it was the same thing. That other that, – that one interception he threw was not his fault. It got tipped up because of his wide receiver – and gets picked off. It is what it is. But Matt is doing everything and more to try to keep this team relevant and to try to keep this team in it. You're not out of it. You're definitely not out of it, especially when you're showing that you can you can somewhat hang with Tampa. 
they're they're the cream of the crop. So the fact that you can. That's showing life. Now, like I said, Matt is forcing passes, but he's trying to help. He's doing everything he can. The offensive line is still yeah, it's still an issue. The offensive line has been an issue back into the Mike Smith days. Yep, that was two coaches ago, not just one. Um, the fact that Matt Ryan throws picks is a little bit of an issue. The fact that most, most of them seem to turn into pick sixes, that's a problem. Got to do better at that. And, I mean, Brady threw five touchdowns. Here's what it is. Falcons fans, don't doom and gloom. You're not out of it yet. And there's still plenty of season to go. You are 0-2 with 15 games to go. I think very much you can win at least half of those. At least. I think that's, that's the base. And not because you have to. You don't have to. It's the NFL. You can lose all the games if, if it works out that way, but I think you're better than that. Definitely think you're better than that. Oh, there we go. Looks like uh, Jacoby Brissett is actually the backup in Miami. I don't know why I didn't know that. I should. I I like what he's going to do. He's he's another bridge quarterback, I think. That's going to do some good things. He'll definitely hold down the fort. Uh, let's talk some Georgia State real quick, and then we'll get into my USC talk and my picks. Georgia State. Uh, they were 0-2 coming in to, with losses to losses to Army, which is a really good football team. They went up to North Carolina to take on the Tar Heels, and uh, they came up a little short there. But this team was showing fight. They're showing promise, just like uh, they're showing passion, just like I'm talking about with the Falcons. And then they host Charlotte on Saturday. Charlotte, who is average, uh, is two and zero coming in, two and zero versus zero and two. Charlotte, who is averaging thirty five points a game, and Georgia State looks and they say, "Well, their defense sometimes has an issue." stopping the run up the middle, and sometimes they're susceptible to man coverage on the outside. So what does Coach Elliott and the offense do? They pound the run. How about 50 runs, 50 total runs for 282 yards? And also, here's something Coach Elliott did. We asked him about this because hey, it's a big storyline. Normally, Destin Coates would be your starting running back. This week it was Tucker Gregg, who was the backup. They're usually pretty interchangeable, but usually Tucker's second on the depth chart. Um, normally, Cornelius Brown, the fourth, otherwise known as Quad. Normally, Quad is the quarterback. Instead, Coach said, I wanted to create a spark. I wanted to change something up. To, to breathe a new electricity into the team. So these were the two biggest changes. Those small ones. So um, Furman transfer, who played against this team a couple years ago, Furman transfer, Darren Granger started. It seemed to be a different team. Now, Darren and Quater are pretty... Pretty interchangeable as far as how they play, their their attributes and things like that. Darren's played for a little bit longer. Like he's the, he played two years at Furman and then transferred in, where Quad is in his second year, I believe. But Darren and Tucker set the stage for what uh, uh, twenty to nine. Absolutely shut Charlotte down. And in fact, the, the off, 
the Charlotte offense only scored seven points. The two points were from a ridiculously goofy call against Georgia State where uh, Darren Granger had a bad snap that went into the end zone, and he tried to get rid of it and do the right thing, and they called him for the safety anyway. Uh, but for a team that was averaging 35 points in each of their first two games, that now they score seven. It's just incredible. Just incredible. Like I said, how did they do that? They pounded the rock up front for 282 yards. The deep sideline shots. That When they got the man coverage they wanted on the outsides uh, between Creedle and Thrash, they were just dropping the hammer. At one point, there would be like a 34-yard pass to Creedle. Then there would be a 33-yard pass into the end zone for Thrash. They went back-to-back on two separate drives that way for touchdowns. And uh, it was just amazing. Just absolutely amazing. So where does that leave this team now? That leaves them going to Auburn, Alabama to take on the Tigers this Saturday. I believe 4 p.m. Eastern time start. I think it's 3 p.m. at Auburn, uh, 4 p.m. here. I believe ESPN Plus Maybe on a different network as well. And I know what people are going to say. Well, Army ran over them, and Army's really good. Um, yeah, but they played bad. Army played good. They played bad. That's why the score was as crazy as it was. North Carolina, they couldn't quite get some things together like they needed to. And then when they do put it together, they run over Charlotte. So how are they going to do against Auburn? Well... Obviously, they're going to have a game plan. Obviously, they're going to have a slightly different one than the one they had this week. But uh, if we can pound the rock 50 times for 282 yards against Auburn, I feel pretty good about our chances. I like the plays the defense is making. Uh, The special teams, they are getting so good at – they are getting so good at at almost pinning – uh, punts on the five-yard line or less. There's a couple that, that trickled into the end zone this week. They're getting so good at it. On top of, if we can catch those passes downfield, whether sideline or not, if we can do a similar thing to what we did this week. Like I said, you want to throw a few wrinkles in there because Auburn knows what's coming. Can they beat Auburn? Yeah. Uh, I think it's more than a puncher's chance. I think it's more than just dumb luck, hey, if everything lines up. No, no, no. I think, I mean, a lot of things need to line up, but that's any week. Can they beat the Auburn Tigers? I think they can. And a lot of fans of the SEC and a lot of fans of other teams in the SEC, other than Auburn, are going to be pulling for Georgia State this week. And I can't wait to see it. Real quickly. Obviously, Clay Helton. Uh, was let go of his duties at USC. Now, here's the thing about USC. You need to to be able to recruit California, especially the L.A. area. You need to kind of have that L.A. chic to you, that kind of USC flair. That's why I don't think this job's for everybody. That's why I don't think Clay Helton worked out. That's why uh, I think Sarkeesian got caught up in the life. He had some issues that he had to iron out, and that's – why he was able to, to move on to Alabama and then now at, uh, was he at Texas? Yeah, Texas. you got to, you know, it, in order to be the coach of USC, I think you, you need to be on an NFL level. It doesn't mean you have to be from the NFL. It just means you have to be on the NFL level. You have to be that top-tier top coach. You, they got to be done going the internal route, and they've got to be done going with, uh, oh, here's the hot – New guy. Here's the here's the new favorite. Everybody. Oh, here's the up and come. No, stop, stop it. This is USC. Don't do that. It's like Alabama. If Nick Saban leaves, Alabama is not going to hire the uh, special teams coordinator for Missouri. Nothing personal that guy, but they're not doing that. They're not going to hire some uh, high school hotshot that that won seven state titles in a row and in New York, Florida. No, 
when Saban leaves, it's going to be another big, high-profile guy. So, here are the, I've got four names, and I'm going to go with the more obvious ones first, and then I'm going to go with the ones that I would like to see at least get a sniff. At least get, at least I want them to publicly come out and go, I appreciate everybody talking about it. But I'm I'm gonna take myself out of the running for this. Let's go with the ones a couple of the ones a lot of people are talking about, but you know not necessarily. Uh at Iowa State, Matt Campbell. I think Matt Campbell can handle it out there. I think he can do some good stuff. He's at Iowa State now. He has took a what should be mid level program and made them top tier uh towards the top tier. Iowa State's really up and coming. Uh I, I can see that. Matt Campbell, okay, that, that's the guy on a lot of people's lists. Uh, Chris Peterson is also on a lot of people's lists. You know, he used to be with the Washington Huskies. He did the same thing. He took a mid-level team and pushed them up into uh, a, a bigger, better level where they are doing some fantastic things. Uh, in fact, they didn't they make one of the playoffs a couple years ago? Yeah, you don't do that by accident. So, okay, Matt Campbell from Iowa State. Chris Peterson, used to, uh, I think he retired. So you'd have to have to be a big-time job here to, to really get him out of retirement. It had to be a big offer. Uh, Chris Peterson, you know. Now, this one's a little bit of a stretch, my third one. And that's because he's been there before. And let's see if he checks the boxes before we do this. First of all, he's been there before, and he was actually doing uh, pretty good. I'm pretty sure he's been there before. Uh, is this guy, does he uh, Does he have that big city feel? Like, could he take on the pressure of a big city, big town like that? Yeah, this guy can. Needs to be an NFL-level coach. Yeah, this guy's coached in the NFL before and then, uh, you know, did pretty good. Does he have that L.A., California cool chic to it? Yeah, he does. He very much does. He has a pedigree as well. That'd be Lane Kiffin. Now, I know Lane Kiffin is at, what is he, at Ole Miss? And Ole Miss, he's going to do good things at Ole Miss. And, and I know when he got knocked all the way to the bottom, he starts at the bottom and has worked himself up. He's done a lot of good things in a lot of good programs. We won't count the Raider stuff because Mark Davis is goofy. Lane Kiffin as a USC coach. I, I can see that. Lane has that, that flair, that attitude. He could make that work. But my leading candidate, from the time I heard the job come available and I started thinking, and I heard somebody mention this guy's name, and then nobody's really said anything, which tell I think that means he's towards the top. And that is currently... He, he not only checks all three of those boxes, this guy is a big recruiter. Big-time recruiter. Big-time recruiter. And that is the offensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide, Bill O'Brien. We see Saban do this all the time. Somebody gets knocked out of a big... Head coaching gig, Saban says, why don't you come coordinate for me? And within a year or so, they move on back back on path to uh, big things. Bill O'Brien. Can Bill O'Brien take on the L.A. chic and, and that, you know, USC pedigree? Yeah, absolutely. The big city pedigree. Uh, yeah, once again, he can. A lot of this is because his time with the Patriots, his time at... Uh, at uh, Penn State. Can Bill, is he an NFL level? And yeah, absolutely. Just told you. What he was doing in Houston, when he was just coaching, he was fantastic. When he started trying to be a GM as well, that's when it started to go south. He, He couldn't do both. 
And I get why he tried to do that. He did that, and the leadership and, or the ownership in, in Houston is not amazing either. But Bill O'Brien, to me, tops the list. Bill O'Brien, Lane Kiffin, I would say probably Matt Campbell, then Chris Peterson. There's my top four in that order. Uh, it amazes me, unless Bill's already shot it down, it just amazes me that him and Lane have not have, have not been talked about more. I guess that is what it is. So let's go into my picks real quick. Got la- lasting few minutes here. We'll try to get through them really quickly. We'll start with college uh, two weeks ago. Told you to take Ohio State over Oregon. You're going to miss that one. Told you to take Iowa over Matt Campbell and Iowa State. Got that one. Uh, told you to take Appalachian State over Miami. Miami was able to win that one. Told you to take Kennesaw State over Georgia Tech. Whoops, my bad. And then I kind of saved face in the uh, front runner to beat Georgia in a weird quirky way bowl, otherwise known as Missouri and Kentucky. Told you to take Kentucky, and I hit that. I went two and three. Last week, told you to take Florida over Alabama. Missed it by this much. You guys know it used to be a soundbite on here. Missed it by that much. Missed it by field goal. That almost happened. Uh, told you to take Penn State over Auburn. Yep. Auburn's going to be reeling. I'm hoping they're reeling enough to where Georgia State beats them. Uh, let's see. Told you to take Arizona State over BYU. I missed that one. Oops. Uh, told you to take Washington State over USC. I missed that one big. USC is it rebounded a good bit. Doesn't matter who the interim is. He's not going to be the head coach. And told you to take Minnesota over Colorado. Nailed that one. Went two and three last week as well. Pro picks. Two weeks ago, I said take Dallas over Tampa Bay. Once again, I just missed that one by a field goal. I uh, told you to take Atlanta over Philadelphia. That was awful. Told you to take uh, Cleveland over Kansas City. Barely missed that one too. Told you to take Seattle uh, to take Indianapolis over Seattle. Missed that one. But the saving grace. Told you to take Las Vegas over Baltimore. Las Vegas with the big win. There went one and four. Yeah, not the best in the world. Uh, last week, I told you to take, this one went a little better, told you to take New Orleans over Carolina, whoops, told you to take Detroit over Green Bay, whoops, told you to take the Rams over the Colts, winner, winner, chicken dinner there, told you to take the 49ers over Philadelphia, yep, told you to take the Vegas Raiders over Pittsburgh, went three and two, my picks got better, I'm just barely missing these. (laughs) Uh, this week's picks. Let's start with the NCAA. Let's start with college. Number 12, Notre Dame is going to number 18, Wisconsin. That is a 12 p.m. kickoff game this weekend. That is on a major network. My guess is Fox. Um, I really like Wisconsin. Give me the Fighting Irish. Notre Dame to win that one on the road. Number seven, Texas A&M is going to number 16, Arkansas. This is a 3.30 kickoff. I believe it's a CBS game. Um, this is really tough because Arkansas has been doing some really good things. Texas A&M is doing pretty good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the road, the road team again and give me Texas A&M over Arkansas. Number 14, Iowa State. And Matt Campbell, there he is again. It's at Baylor. has a 3.30 start there. I'm going to call this one. I'm going to call this upset right here. I'm going to say, give me the Baylor Bears. Why not? I just, I, I like Iowa State. I don't love what they're doing. And Matt Campbell's a great coach, but I don't think that team is completely all in on his strategy. Uh, number 24, UCLA is going to Stanford. 6 p.m. game. That's going to be a big-time game. Um, that's tough. I really like what Chip Kelly's done this year with UCLA. 
Uh, I was just stunned at what happened last week. I thought they were they're really rolling. Maybe that was the hiccup. Maybe that was the stinker of the year. Um, I don't know. I just I still have this weird feeling. As good as Chip Kelly is, I think Stanford is going to win at home. Give me Stanford. And then uh, the Cow Bears are going to go up and take on the University of Washington. That is two one and two teams. They're both one win and two losses. Somebody, somebody's going to be one and three after this, and that's going to be a tough hill to climb at that point. Um, give me the fighting Aaron Rodgers on the road. That's the Cal Bears school he transferred to later in his collegiate career. Give me the Cal Bears to win the nine thirty start on that one. I want to pick a late game. That's going to be a late game. Uh, pretty excited about watching that one in the NFL. Philadelphia at Dallas, that is the Monday night game. Uh, Philadelphia is going to do some good things. They are going to hang with Dallas for a good bit of the game. And then um, I think this is going to be Zeke's breakout game. It may not be, but either way, they've still got Dak Prescott. They've got got Michael Parsons. They've got a thousand other big-time players that Philadelphia does not give me. The Dallas Cowboys, call it a homer pick all you want. But I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys. Cincinnati at Pittsburgh as a 1 p.m. game on Sunday. Pittsburgh is showing us a lot. They have one of the better front sevens in the league. Their offensive line is is interesting. Big Ben is um, old, not quite feeble, but he's old, and, and uh, this will definitely be his last year in Pittsburgh, probably in the league as well. Uh, but he, he's still making plays. He's still doing some stuff. Joe Burrow is is off to a pretty good start. Jamar Chase has remembered he can catch balls instead of dropping them. And uh, the Cincinnati defense is, is not bad. They're, they're, Cincinnati is they're somewhere between Carolina and Miami in the rebuild mode with Carolina being uh, – two years into a rebuild, and they are starting to look fantastic. Cincinnati, two or three years into a rebuild, looking pretty good. Miami jury's out. But give me Cincinnati to go on the road and knock off Pittsburgh. I just have a feeling about that, which is going to put Pittsburgh in a really, really weird situation. Uh, The Washington football team are going to travel to Buffalo, 1 p.m. game there. You want to go for the Washington football team, but... They got Taylor Heineke. I think he's going to do okay. But I just feel like somebody has woken up Buffalo and the Bills Mafia, and uh, Buffalo's going to win at home. Tampa Bay at the L.A. Rams. It's a 425 game, but that means Tampa has to travel all the way over there for one. Not sure if that matters. They still have a man named Brady. This is Matt Stafford's chance to prove that him and the Rams are a legitimate contender, which they are. Give me the Rams at home to knock off Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay is not going undefeated. No, I don't think anybody is this year. So give me the Rams and the 425 and the Sunday night game. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers going to San Francisco to take on Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. Like I said, I think Green Bay is somewhere in between their week one and week two performances as far as what kind of team they are. They're probably, you could shade them more towards the better side of things. They're they're better than they are worse. We'll put them that way, you know. 75% of what we saw this week is probably where they're at. Now, San Francisco. Uh, we know about Trey Lance. We know that they've sprinkled him in here and there. He didn't play much, if at all, this week because different style game. Uh, His packages weren't necessarily needed. So who is going to win this? I think Green Bay doesn't have much of a a pass rush. San Francisco does. I think that's going to help even out the differences in the offense because I think Green Bay has a better offense. San Francisco has a better defense. This is going to come down to Head coaching is going to come down to interesting situations. It's going to come down to who has the ball last. Give me the 49ers. I don't feel as safe about that one, but give me the 49ers to win at home. So 
to recap my picks for this week. In college, take Notre Dame over Wisconsin, Texas A&M over Arkansas, Baylor and the Bears over Iowa State, Stanford over UCLA, and Cal, must like Bears for some reason, Cal over Washington. In the NFL, take Dallas over Philadelphia on Monday, take Cincinnati over Pittsburgh, Buffalo over the Washington football team, the L.A. Rams over Tampa Bay in a uh, barn burner, fantastic possible preview of the NFC title game. All those on Sunday. And then the Sunday night game, take the take the home, probably dogs, the 49ers uh, over Green Bay. Now, that's going to do it for me. Uh, doing a big double episode. This ended up being uh, a little bit Hopefully you guys were entertained. Hopefully you guys enjoyed everything. But that's going to do it for us. Appreciate you guys tuning in to this great edition of that sports show. Make sure to tell your friends. Make sure to rate and review us. And uh, have a good night. Deuces, gooses.